What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dear White Teacher. I'm your host, Brandon R. Scarborough, and today I got my buddy, my friend, James Talbert. What's up, man? Not much, man. It's good to be here. Good, man. Thanks for coming. How you been? I've been good, man. This good. is exciting. It Dear is. White People is one of my favorite movies, so being on Dear White Teacher is, okay. is what's up, man. I, I haven't the seen the movie, way. but did you watch the show? I watched the Netflix show. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm hip to the show. I've never seen the movie, but I watched the show. Indeed. I love the show. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, so I kind of got kind of borrowed the name from that whole theme. So yeah, that's that's kind of where it came from. I ain't never said that before, but yeah, that's, thank you, man. You can help me share something with folks they they, <laughs> they didn't know. Man, let's jump right in, man. Tell the people, you know, who you are I, to whatever extent you want to share um, what you do, and you, you know, you just share with me. You got a new position and all that, so yeah. we can uh, jump right into that. Yeah, man. So I am by nature a youth pastor. So I've worked with youth for the last nearly 15 years. And I've worked in the church as a youth pastor, then an associate pastor. And now I do pastoral work uh, with a team in Middlebury at a church called Citizens that's connected to a CDC called The Well. But about two years ago, we made a decision for our staff team to go bivocational. So for everybody to get jobs, so we could pour more funds into the community. So uh, when you work in a church, like I did for 15 years, you don't really have a lot of marketable skills. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what can I do? So a job came open at uh, Calgary Valley Christian Academy, so CVCA, uh, for Bible teaching. So I went there to be a Bible teacher. And in my head, I was like, I'm a youth pastor. I know youth. I do youth. Yeah. But uh, being an educator is a whole different ball game. So yeah. that was when I dove into becoming an educator. And very recently, at CVCA, I became the coordinator of multicultural belonging. So I do a lot of work uh, fighting for diversity and equity and inclusion at CVCA. So a couple of things you said. First thing, you said you were uh, you do pastoral work on a team of pastors. Yeah, that's dope because you really the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a nice way of saying I don't do it by myself, but you yeah. like, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I know some of the other ones too, but you the pastor, man. Yeah. Yeah. Second thing, um, you were doing teaching Bible. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I came out there, uh, we were a bit early and you were still in the midst of teaching. And man, I thought that was one of the most phenomenal Bible classes I ever sat through. Thanks, man. So, I mean, it was really from, you know, even I'm grown and being a church boy all my life the way you were um, reaching them with that was, was really slick, really, really dope, man. So, you know, just throwing a compliment your way, I guess. Appreciate that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, the third thing, say the name of that position again. So the coordinator of multicultural belonging. Okay. That's a lot. It's a lot. So, <laughs> it, so explain what that title means. So at CVCA, Traditionally, CVCA, and I think if the administration was sitting here with me, they would nod their heads and agree with these things. CVCA was traditionally built to be a college prep school for Christian white kids who came from Calgary Falls, Hudson, Stowe area. Mm -hmm. So it was really developed for that. It's a feeder school with uh, Chapel Hill Christian School with Heritage Christian and other Christian schools. But yeah, over the years, it's become more or less like, kind of like the mega church of Christian <laughs> high schools. Like, okay. 
CVCA, there's almost a thousand kids who go there now mm -hmm. from sixth to twelfth grade. So it's a larger school of its kind. Yeah. And over the years, as it's grown, it's also just grown in diversity. So with the Ohio Ed Choice grant that you can get, so for kids who live in a school system that's failing, the government will pay for them, give them a grant to go to a private school. So with that and just with the school growing, we have kids from Canton all the way to Cleveland. Really? And CVCA now has grown. It's almost 30% minority, so around 25% black. And then we have a pretty heavy refugee population as well. So CVCA now is more diverse than it's ever been. But mm -hmm. with its origins, you have kids who come from, yeah, very sheltered Christian homes and who most of which have never rubbed shoulders with anyone culturally different, mm. let alone like ethnically or racially different. So mm. the need for multicultural belonging at CVCA is, yeah, it's very deeply needed. Yeah, I, I've never heard it coined that way, multicultural belonging. Yeah, you know, with the Christian school, like the word inclusion, like invites mm. a whole nother conversation. Yeah. So they didn't want to use inclusion. Got you. And with multiculturalism, they wanted to just really say like, hey, we want to like, so when we say multicultural, we mean like, all right, there's the ethnicity piece of it. There's the socioeconomic piece of it. There's the racial piece of it. There's just a whole ton of pieces, but they wanted to use belonging yeah. to not include, yeah, what inclusion means in most spaces. Right, right, right. So I want to jump back just a little bit, just in case somebody's listening or watching this that is not familiar with the area. You said you get kids from Hudson, Stowe, I think you said somewhere else. So those are to Akron, to where we are now, yeah. suburban, more affluent communities. Yeah, suburban and affluent, but if you look at those communities as well, I mean, like, what we call Cuyahoga Falls and Akron, Caucasian Falls. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called that for a reason. Right. You look at Stowe and you look at Hudson, I mean, Hudson just literally had an incident last year. Yeah, I was about to say, like, <laughs> if you're watching, just Google Hudson, Ohio, Google and, and Hudson. A, lot will, a lot will come up. I mean, there's deep race issues in Hudson. I mean, to look at Stowe is to look at, it's the same thing, same thing as Hudson. Yeah. So those areas, like, historically have race issues. Yeah. And historically, I mean, it's Caucasian Falls. I didn't want to go play football there in high school. Mm. So it's just a whole, yeah. So... The premise of what we do here on the podcast is typically, or it is set up to talk to white or non-black teachers that are teaching in urban environments. We talk about building relationships, strategies on, on reaching kids, um, things like that. But in your case, it's kind of flip side, you are the only black teacher in a primarily white school that's now because it's grown now it's 25 percent african-american which i didn't know which is huge for that because i know um i had family go there yeah, back like in the that. day <laughs> no nowhere near 25 percent um but even with that that's a significant community of, of african-americans that are there now and so the point of what we do here at the podcast still this conversation is still called for because teachers are still struggling to build relationships with minority students because they, they don't know they don't know the vernacular, they don't know the culture, they don't know um, some of the things that come with that. So talk about 
so even before you get to this new position, yeah. um, talk about your time there and what you found yourself doing outside of teaching Bible. Because we, we talked about for the cameras, before the cameras yeah. came on, you were the resident expert. Yeah. And I would say I'm, I'm still that in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Like, thankfully. Now they just pay you more to be the expert. Yes. <laughs> Praise God for that. Right. But we got, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm the only black male teacher there. There's a few other black teachers, but when I first came, I figured, hey, I'm gonna come like punch the clock, I'm gonna teach these classes and I'm gonna get out of here. But what I learned like very early was education is half curriculum. Like there's the, there's the science of teaching, but then there's the art of teaching. And the art of teaching is like, I have to build a relationship or else the information that I'm trying to communicate is never gonna grow to transformation. So I need this information to like be rooted in relationship and that's really going to help like the transformation grow. And that's where real education happens. So I'm like, all right, I need to build relationships. And as I started building relationships with students, obviously like I became a magnet for black students. So as I'm talking to black students, immediately I just begin to see myself in them. So I went to Malone and Canton. Mm -hmm predominantly white school. Mm -hmm. And coming from Barberton, which was, when I went there, it was very multicultural. Like, there was Bosnian-Serbian refugees, there was white folks, there was black folks. We was just all at Barberton, just bound together by being poor. So yeah. it, was just, it was just, that's what bound us together. So I went to Malone and I was like, dang, this is the first time I've experienced, like, racism in this way mm -hmm. like I had to call my mom a couple times and be like what's happening and she's yeah. like good old-fashioned racism like don't fool with those folks so I immediately begin to see myself in them and what I realized very early is the questions that they're asking I start talking I'm like well this is what's happening here guys this is what white supremacy is. This is what a microaggression is. Mm. This is what, so I just start like trying to define terms. I'm like, well, you live here and they live here because of white flight and because of redlining. And I'm trying to define these terms. But what I really learned was they're not so much asking like, why are things the way they are? They're asking like, who am I? How am I viewed? And what does it mean for, like, what does it mean for me to live in this skin? Yeah. So as I begin to answer those questions, yeah, my heart just began to break because, I mean, in, in 05, it was something completely different. Like, my space didn't come till I was, like, a senior in high school. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to do this, like, not only in the middle of a pandemic, but they're trying to do this, like, when they have so many forces, like they're on TikTok and Snapchat constantly. Yeah. Like they have like the advent of social media that just makes it so much more difficult. So what I learned very early was, yeah, I need to do a lot of listening to them. I need to do a lot of learning. I need to enter their world into their space in order to, yeah, help encourage them and move them forward. But yeah, it's been a, can you think of how, how long you been there? So this is yeah the end of year two. End of year two. Let's go back to like year one. Month two. <laughs> like when, when what was the eye-opening 
conversation, experience? What What do you think the first thing it first thing might have happened that kind of let you know, okay, I'm here for more than Bible class, where you experienced everything you just talked about, where I okay, I gotta learn more, I gotta listen more, I gotta do that. What What led you to that reality? <laughs> uh, the first one, yeah. I'm not going to say his name because his mom is a teacher in APS, and she probably will watch this when I ask her to. Okay. But, but she will she will know exactly. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kid, you grew up in, like, Christian schools, like, from the time he was small. So he, like, grew up in Christian schools. He lives in, like, on, like, off Copley Road on the west side. Okay. Like, he's grown up in, like, the traditionally black church. So he's grown up like in these white schools and these white spaces. But not only is he confused like by that, but then like his idea of Christianity is like, yeah, we shout and speak in tongues here, and then I'm in these spaces that say that's wrong. So immediately like he felt comfortable, so we had started having conversations about that. But last year, I'm only in two classrooms now, but last year I was in a different classroom every day or every period of every day during COVID year. So I'm setting up tech, like trying to do all that crazy mm -hmm. stuff before I even like dive into the hard part of teaching. So I'm setting up my tech and I see him sitting there and I see like this girl just like running her fingers through his fro. So I looked at him for a second and I was like, he just looked at me and I was like, He just looked at me, and I was like, all right. I was like, take your hands out of his hair. Everybody sit down. We're going to just have, like, a conversation about, like, why you don't touch other people's hair in general, but why you especially don't touch black folks' hair. Mm -hmm. And, like, it started with, like, a laugh from the class. Mm -hmm. But then as I got into it, it turned into a real, actual teaching experience. And what I'm learning is, like, the more I'm able to do things like that in the classroom and the more I have boldness and I can say, all right, we're just going to, like, stop everything and, like, actually discuss and talk about this. Like, I talked to him after class and he was like, that's the first time I've, like, felt seen in the classroom. And he's been in those type of schools since he was, like, mm -hmm. a young kid. And I think what makes me so excited about the work I'm able to do now is I'm able to say to, like, white teachers, hey, like, don't be afraid of, like, getting canceled. Don't be afraid of, like, all these different things. Like, you have a duty to love the students that are in your class. Wow. And when you stop and when you do that, it's going to mean something even different than when I do that. They all expect me to do that. Yeah. Like, especially now. Like, they know I'm going to do that. Like, I walk around with dreads. Like, they expect me to do that. Mm -hmm. But, like, when you stop, and when you're culturally sensitive enough to create space and hold space for minority students in your classroom, like, it means the world to them. So that's what makes me really excited about the work I get to do now. So I don't want to lose both of my responses to that. So the first, the first one is about students. The second one is about the teachers. When you had that conversation with the students, did they ask questions? Did they, what was, what was their response to that conversation? Was it? We had no idea, you know, apologies or 
you know, we just didn't know. What, what was that, yeah. that so, feedback like? Yeah, I always try to, whenever we have these conversations, I try to just invite them by saying, like, hey, I want to create a safe space. Like, there's no wrong question. There's no wrong opinion. The only way that we can move forward together is through understanding. And the only way you can understand is through asking questions. So, like, this is not your social media platform. Like, we're trying to go somewhere together. So let's ask questions. This is a safe space. No one's going to judge you. No mm -hmm. one's going to. And I feel like the more I was able to do that over the course of a year and facilitate those spaces, we had students, yeah, they asked questions. They were like, why? Like my white students, they were like, like, why? And then I like said the student's name. I was like, how does that make you feel? Like when she was running her hands through your hair, like unsolicited, how did that make you feel? And he said, like a dog. And I said, <laughs> like, there you go. That's I why. Like, I was like, that's why. Because yeah. it makes him feel like an animal. And he already feels different than everyone. And why does he feel different? We've gone to school since we were in the second grade together. We have all the same experiences. Do you have the same experience? <laughs> right, right. Do you have the same experiences? And what I've also learned is, like, it all depends on the student. I know that he would, like, say something. I have some minority students that, like, yeah, especially in a setting like CVCA, I can't expect, like, my minority students to be like Malcolm X. Man, like, they're in early adolescence, mm -hmm. and many of them feel things, and they just don't have the words to, like, associate with their feeling. So, like, if I was in a class with different students, I would have just, like, led that up and not asked them questions. Right. So I think, yeah, from that standpoint with the student, yeah, it was it was a real opportunity because I knew, like, I could, like, look in his eyes and tell, like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm uncomfortable yeah, with what's this, happening. this don't feel good. Yeah. Yeah. So, same question. What was the first experience that you had with a teacher or teachers or, you know, maybe in a, a meeting um, atmosphere where you felt the responsibility to speak up or speak out about whatever you just heard or experienced. Yeah. I'll start by saying this, like, I, man, I can't appreciate more, like, the teachers that I work with. They're all trying to figure it out. Like, they're legitimately trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. So I welcome, like... I wouldn't have taken a position if I didn't want to, like, yeah, grapple with difficult things yeah. and try to help. But, like, they're, they're legit trying to figure it out. Yeah. And we have, like, some older teachers, like, the teachers who are in different spaces. Some teachers who are older who are pretty set in their ways. We have some teachers who are younger who could, yeah, write the volume two, three, and four of White Fragility. Like, they're, mm -hmm. like they're way down the line. But I would say in general, like, we have great teachers, but yeah, we did this senior day where we took all the seniors out to Camp Carl. It was a great day. We did competitions. We started this whole new school house system. It was awesome. And I had a girl like, yeah, she's great. She's a senior, but she's kind of like over it. And you can tell like she's just been, she's been black in this environment for a long time. She's just dead over it. Yeah, she ready to go. Yeah. So like, 
That's, she's just ready to go. <coughs> Excuse so, like, the school has rules, and, like, everybody has to follow the rules. Yeah. The school has rules. But because it's, like, a because it's a predominantly white school, like, some of our black students get lost in those rules. So she has, like, orange blonde hair. It's a little more orangish than it was blonde, but she showed me the palette. The palette was blonde, so she went to the salon and got her hair. Orange is blonde, right? Okay. So the school policies and rules say, like, you can't change your hair color, like, to an unnatural color. Right? Okay. So it can't be an unnatural color. It has to be a color that's, like, natural to you. So the first thing she says to me when we get to know each other, like, during that day is she's like, yo, she's like, why can white girls dye their hair red, brown, and black? And it's natural, but I can't dye my hair blonde. She's like, why is that unnatural? And I'm just like listening to her and I'm like, I'm trying, like, I want to give her like, <laughs> like, I want to say to her, like, because your hair is orange. But before she could say that, like, she pulls out her phone and she's like, this is the palette. She's like, it's blonde. She's like, it just looks orange because my hair is black. She's like, it's mm. not unnatural. She's like, they dye their hair blonde. I want my hair to be blonde. And then on top of that, bro, like, <laughs> we did, like, water games at the end of the day. Oh, and bro, I, I seen it, like, it was like a truck coming, man. Like, I just seen it happen. You saw it unravel? I just saw, I watched <laughs> it unravel. And, like, everybody, like, ran to the middle. And all the teachers, like, it was, it was so fun. Everybody was having fun. All the teachers just, like, threw the water from the water games, like, in the middle on the seniors. And, man, one of the teachers' buckets just, like, it just, like, smashed her. And I seen her hair frizz up immediately. Like, I seen it frizz up immediately. She's just talking to me about how she right. to die. She, like, runs inside, like, crying. And all the teachers are like, what's wrong with her? And I was just like, I was like, oh, no. I was like, we having so much fun, I just don't want to do this. Yeah. So I waited until we had a meeting, like, so we debriefed, like, what happened. And I was like, hey, I was like, we can't have water games. I was like, <laughs> I was like we can't do water games. But that was, like, it was a great opportunity for me to be able to say, like, hey, we can't do water games because, like, when you get her hair wet, she's going to yeah. scream and cry. Like, this she just happens. dropped yeah. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, she just yeah. dropped like 300 like, yeah. Like, yeah. of her own money, like on her hair. Hair's a bill. Yeah. Like, yeah. like hair is a Like, so we were able to have that conversation. And it was like, it was actually like really fruitful. Like, yeah. me and another house leader, like, went and talked afterwards. And she was like, hey, please. Like, she's like, I love our students. Anything I can do, like, let me know. Like, I slid her some materials. Like, we talk on and off. So that was a good experience, but it's just a lot of like, we really speak different languages, like culturally. And yeah, cultural interpretation with teachers, I would say, is like the biggest, the biggest thing I, I end up doing. Yeah. First thing is, it's amazing how hair has been the foundation of this entire conversation Listen. since we started. <laughs> <laughs> That's number one. Uh, secondly, though, cultural interpretation. 
so if we, we use for an example, like the teacher you just talked about that said, hey, I'm open to, you know, I want to learn. Have you encountered those that don't? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think there are some who are locked into this idea of, like, we have to do things the way they've been done. Uh, the reality of that is, well, times change. Kids change. Like, I'm not horribly older, than, like, that much older than the kids. Yeah. But the reality is, like, it's a whole different ball game from when I was in high school. So a teacher that's been teaching for 30 or 40 years in an environment that has rules to try to form things and form kids into a certain mold, like, yeah, there's teachers who, who I would say, like, are bucking up against the idea that, like, yeah, just because a kid's not doing what you want to do doesn't mean that they're, like, a bad kid or they're an unruly kid mm -hmm. or even that they, like, want to break the rules. Like, in a place like CVCA where you have, like, some really affluent kids, like, you have some kids who aren't affluent. So some kids, when they break the dress code, like, they're not breaking the dress code because they want to be defiant. Like, they're breaking the dress code because, like, they don't have a clean polo shirt. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So dive. I was headed there next because you you mentioned ed choice, which yeah. you you explain uh, really good um, for those that may not know what it is. But I, I, that's a that's a great a great piece there for because that's what CVCA is known for affluence. You yeah. know that I, I've known that I'm 41. It's always been that's where the rich kids go. Yeah. Now with ed choice you may not have that same type of influence. And so to your point, what you just did, like the example you just gave, I didn't, my, my pants aren't tattered because I'm trying to start a new trend. This is all I have. Yeah. So how did, what does that conversation sound like when, because a kid's not gonna say that because that's not what it is. Yeah, I would say like, it looks beautiful for the vast majority of teachers because we have teachers who will just be like, yeah, if they see it, they just are buying kids stuff. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, we have teachers who are just like, yeah, I see it. I'm taking care of it. Yeah, stuff is rough at home. Like, yeah, you don't you don't teach because you're trying to get the bag. Like, like, at all. Like, like nowhere. Yeah, nowhere. <laughs> nowhere. Like, you teach because you're trying to, like, and... I would say, like, the vast majority of our teachers are about that life. Okay. I venture into, like, 90 high percent of our teachers are into that. But I would say it really comes out. So, like, we have, like, M-term and J-term. So, like, before spring break, it's a week where we do, like, education, but it's, like, during trips. So kids are literally, like, in non-COVID years, they're taking trips around the world around the country like and this year because it's COVID no one's going international but in a normal year like kids will go study in Rome or go study in wow. other places and you have to pay for that stuff like out of the pocket like even with the stateside trips we're doing this year like a lot of our Ed Choice students like their ability to like 
take part in what it means to be a part of our school because of those trips is, yeah, they got to go on a trip where the free one, that's just like here. So those conversations like at a staff level have become really cool. Like our administration does a great job. Like they just did a whole, we took a whole personal development and just, yeah, broke into departments and just talked about, hey, what are the best trips that we can do for like the least amount of money? Mm. And I think there's, there's a growing consciousness to that among administration and teachers. The students are where it gets rough. Like the, the students are where it gets rough. Like, yeah, there's an assumption that if you go there, you have X. And the reality is like, students don't. And that comes across in like, comes across huge in sports. Mm -hmm. um, grateful for Matt Futch, like, mm -hmm. yeah, just being a head coach there in basketball and his ability to really like even the playing field, like coming from Bookdale. Yeah. And just, yeah, the experience. Shout out to Futch and Bookdale. Shout out to Futch and Bookdale. 10, 10, 10, 40, 10, I can't, you know. I big, 10, you. big 10, big 40. Yeah, yeah. We talk, 10, 40 comes up a lot. I mean, I, co I coached at Garfield, yeah. so, I, so I, I love the south side. <laughs> this is all sidebar. Sorry, you know, but y'all watching this. You went to BHS, but you went to the wrong BHS. <laughs> I, I went to Bookdale High School, which is the real BHS, the only BHS, but I, I heard you all use that term. <laughs> and it, it's five minutes away from the real BHS. And it's okay. It's the it bar is. The Barberton High School. Yeah. Anyway, you know, 1040 all day. Matt Futch, uh, great, great coach, great person, great human being. This uh, was a star at Bookdale and a star person now. He's the coach at a uh, head men's basketball coach at CBCA. So yeah. I'm, I'm positive he's a great addition to yeah. what you all are doing there. And he's able to really, he's able to bridge the gap. Yeah, and sports being a space where many of our Ed Choice kids plug in, mm -hmm. it's just great to, it's great to have him there, but I mean, yeah. I have a student who's on the tennis team right now, and she's trying to figure out, like, she's one of the captains. And she's trying to figure out, she's like, I'm one of the captains. She's like, I have to plan stuff, but she's like, I can't pay for this. So, like, mm. we're having a whole conversation just around that. So, yeah, those conversations become really real, but, yeah, big ups to our administrators who are, yeah, doing real work and figuring that stuff out. That's good. That's good. So with you taking, you know, let's fast forward past. So are you? Will you still be teaching? Yeah. So with, I'll be in a. I'll be in a classroom okay. for half the day. Okay. So with the new position, say, say the title again. So yeah, the coordinator of multicultural belonging. So what does that look like for you? What does what does that entail? You know, how 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 are you building? You know, whatever you're building, the the increased relationships and all that kind of stuff with with that new position. Yeah. When I was at Malone. Uh, Brenda Stevens and Kevin Williams, like, saved my life. Wow. Like, the both of them, like, and Brenda, like, she was the director of, like, the Multicultural Student Union at Malone. Yeah, I remember. And, like, her pulling me in, like, pulling me into the gospel choir. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I'm only a leader today, like, because of her and Kevin. Wow. And I'm going to emulate, like, what I've seen them do. So we're going to start, like... We'll start with a multicultural student union, which we call Embrace. It's a club 
So I've done some work this year and just really gathering students who just want to have these conversations and students who are passionate about diversity and unity and exploring what that means at CVCA. So pulling that together, and that's a club that's existed there for a long time, but yeah, I'm the advisor of it now. So doing that, we'll have like a multicultural student emphasis week. We got the gospel choir in chapel, which is like a, a huge deal for CVCA. So yeah, mm -hmm. they were seeing Kirk Franklin in chapel today, which is like... <laughs> Historic. Yeah, it's, it's a huge deal. Yeah. So we got that popping off. But yeah, we also want to, the thing that did it for me at Malone was like we did trips and I was able to go places and meet other students who were in similar situations to me. And I was able to like see things that were going on there. And I mean, that's the reason why, I, yeah, why we're seeking to be a multicultural church now, like all that stuff I've seen at Malone. So yeah. I hope to do a lot of that stuff, but that's on the student side with the teachers. Yeah. Our principal is just really committed to, yeah. Yeah. Love working with him and working for him. He's committed to, yeah, training teachers, doing simulations. We got coaches training coming because that's a, I mean, we play in the pack. So we play in a league where we're sending like, I have to have the talk with like, our black basketball players mm -hmm. before they go play basketball at like Northwest and Canal Fulton because yeah. of like what they're going to be called. So just like parents have to have the talk like mm -hmm. this is what you do when you get pulled over. I'm like, yo, this is what you do when like they make gorilla sounds, which yeah. is like a literal. Yeah. Like when you catch because, the ball. Because <laughs> we're talking about now kids, Ed Choice. Ed Choice kids. From, from right. the west side, south, you know, whatever side of Akron that are going to places they would never go. Never, ever, ever go. If they they never involved. go to Navarre or ever. Fairless or. No. So I'm like having a talk with them like, hey, when you go there, like you're gonna encounter this. Yeah. Like you're gonna, this is what's gonna happen. Like this is what you do when that happens. But then with the coaches, like we're having, we're having conversations around like, how do we train our coaches? Like how do we train our white coaches to like protect our black students? Like. Yeah, so the thought that just came to my mind, like, what, what would be happening if you weren't there? So, I think I provide, like, Matt, our principal, like, he's, he's the dude. So he, he drew up, like, job descriptions when he was a teacher there before okay. he was a principal. So he had drawn up job descriptions and was handing it, like, hey, we need this, we need this, we need this. So he's been pushing for this forever. I think now it's the right time. I think I provide them with, yeah, a person who can focus, focus into it and do it. We got some other folks there doing really cool stuff now. I mean, like, Fudge is the head basketball coach. Like, we just, I think now we have, like, it's the time for us to move on these things. And we have the folks who can, yeah, focus and get it finished. Yeah, so <clears throat> before we started, and you mentioned you were hiring Kyle like what, what would his position be yeah man we're we're looking into we're doing everything we can to get Kyle on man like we just talking on camera like all these people gonna know who we talking about but yeah <laughs> yeah we're doing <laughs> just roll with us. Yeah, we're doing everything we can to get Kyle on but I mean like there's just a commitment to hiring black teachers and hiring staff 
so that our staff can like reflect our student diversity. Yeah. Because until that happens, like we're sitting ducks. So yeah, we're having we're having conversations about what it looks like, man. He's there now doing some facility stuff, man. But yeah, Kyle, this guy, he comes from the school, he comes from the culture, he's coached there, mm -hmm. he he loves it. But man, he's gifted. And like, no, he's not like a traditional educator, but man, we're a charter school. Yeah. Like we're private. We're private charter schools. We can hire this brother and get him in there. And yeah, get him around students to create more safe spaces. His representation matters so much. Yeah. So, you know, if every if everything was perfect, you, you bring him on, you, you get to build your team. What does this position look like for you in the dynamics of the school? I guess I, I mean in like outcomes and shaping thoughts, shaping actions, things like that. Yeah. I think an outcome would be, yeah. I tell my students like in our Embrace Club often, the reality of the issues that we're talking about, like when we're talking about white supremacy, like we're talking about something that has been happening in the United States for over 400 years. And something that like reaches past the origins of the United States. Yeah, what we're talking about is something huge. So when we talk about like, what do we do about this? Like, what are our responses? Yeah, Bishop Joey Johnson, we were on a call and he said, we have to create islands. He said, we have to create islands of safety and those islands of safety will come together and create continents of change. I think at CVCA, like. That's big. Yeah, at CVCA, we just only, want to create. Only Bishop Joy would come <laughs> would, would, just, would just say. Just create something like, like that. And he yeah, just, only he, him. He just said that like yeah, it was no big deal. Right, right, right. And I'm just like frozen like, yeah. <laughs> after he said it. But I think for us, like, we're trying to create like islands of safety. Yeah. So, yeah, our classrooms, islands of safety, training teachers to like respond better in situations, training students to be able to actually have healthy conversations, training students to know like, hey, this is who I am. This is my ethnic heritage. Uh, giving kids handles around, yeah. Let them know that like, hey, race is a social construct. So even for our white students, like you're not actually white, you have European ancestry. And as they like grab onto that ancestry, the hope is that they say, oh, well, my friend is like, he's black, but dang, he may not know what his ancestry is because like of the transatlantic slave trade. So yeah, we're just trying to create islands of safety with the hopes of over time that coming together and us seeing like real change. Yeah, I just thought about even, you know, maybe black students as they build friendships with white students. What does that look like to bring white students to the west side of Akron to be like, you know, if, if, you're, if you've grown up out there and you're affluent or whatever, you've probably never went down Copley Road. <laughs> Ever. You know what I'm saying? So is that even a, 
a teachable moment to say one day, let's take let's take a ride. So so we can show you where we where we come to come from to come to school here, but there's never a a reciprocation of that travel because they don't need to come into into the city. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's the identity piece. Until our students, a lot of our black and like refugee students live in North Hill. Like I know a bunch of them. I can just see them now that they live in North Hill. They've been involved with Urban Vision, like a great ministry there. But the reality is for them to be formed in their identity enough to be proud of who they are and where they're from and not to see it as something that's less, mm. but something that's different and that's beautiful in the same way that, yeah, a kid who has a huge house, like, that their experience is beautiful in the same way. Yeah. That's dope, man. Congratulations on the position, too. I, I know you're going you Talbert, man. I, I know you're gonna do with it what you make it do, man. I'm not, I'm not. I could tell. I'll say this as well. When I was there, and you got done teaching, and we started walking down the hall, and passing kids that weren't at least in that class, and I don't know if they were in in any other of your classes. I could tell the bonds and the relationships that you built from, you know, just being there because it was, hey, man, you, you know. It was personal conversations. Hey, did you follow up on this? Did you do this? Did you do that? And man, they were so respectful of who you were, you know. Um, and that was across the board. That wasn't black, white, or otherwise. That was I, I, I saw your relationships with everybody in the hallway. And so man, I, I thought that was extremely dope. No doubt, man. I yeah. appreciate it, man. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. Man, it's been a great conversation, man. So what I make everybody do at the end is, is leave us with a piece of your large intellect teach us something we might not know or leave us with a quote or you know whatever it is that you want to want to leave us and the, and the people with man whatever you come up with yeah man it's black history month oh i'm glad you said that. i wanted to go there that was like 10 yeah. minutes ago but we kept talking <laughs> yeah. glad you said that. i didn't mean to cut you yeah. off what did what does black history look like at cvca something we're trying to figure out a whole time man there's a part of me that's like that just wants to like wear daishikis and celebrate like every day. <laughs> yeah. And there's another part of me that's like, if I only do this this month, that's on that's gonna detract from justice mm. every day. So it's like, we're trying to figure it out. So this year's been more of a we've talked to students a lot, and we said like, hey, what do you guys want to see happen during Black History Month? Mm. What's dope about them, and it's gonna lead to us like, a deeper celebration next year. But they're like, hey, Black History Month, need to celebrate the Latinx community during Latino mm. History Month, Women's History Month. Mm. So they're ready to get live. Like, yeah. But they want to do Multicultural Student Emphasis Week in the fall, okay. where we really take a day and we really like focus in on like the cultures that we have in CVCA. And we invite them to celebrate. So we're going to do like a taste of CVCA and yeah have students cook things from there. Nice. From there, uh, there. Please, please invite me, I'm a foodie. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> I, no. I, I just left a foodie, that's why I'm dressed up, I just <laughs> left a food event. <laughs> no doubt, man, we'll invite yeah. you, but yeah, so, a lot of listening to them, but yeah, yeah. it's a it's a cliche, but I think at, at CVCA and in the work we do in Middlebury, like, when Frederick Douglass says, it's better to build strong children than to repair broken men. Yes. Like. Yeah, it's just giving me a lot of 
a breath of fresh air as I think about Frederick Douglass and I think about his work and I think about the reality of that statement. Like, I got students in Middlebury who are 16, 17, 18, who've just been enculturated into violence their whole lives. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, like, we got to catch kids earlier. And the work I do at CVCA, I'm like, yeah, before, like, yeah, before they're 40 and, and set in really, like, problematic ways, yeah, I pray that the conversations that we're able to have, invite them out to embrace, will, yeah, build strong teenagers, then, yeah, and we not have to repair broken men. Mm -hmm. I think that was strong enough to be your ending quote. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that was good because you gave us like four good ones, man, to, to end with, man. Man, that, that's phenomenal. Great conversation, man. I no appreciate doubt, man. you coming, man. Appreciate this, being on here, man. Yeah, man, it, this has been a, an exciting journey, man, so I'm, I'm excited to see where it go. And so, uh, man, look at one of the cameras. Tell them where they can find you if you want to do, you know, tell them your social media and, you know, all that kind of stuff. No doubt. You can find me at James Thomas Talbert on Facebook and on Instagram, or you could look at our church page, Citizens Akron. You can find a bunch of stuff on there, too. Cool, man. Thank Hold you, man. Up, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for watching. See you next time, dear white teacher.